Hey guys, welcome back inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We got Jameson Jones coming on the show today to talk about The Wretched. Yes, it's a... I mean, kick-ass horror film, Yeah, right? I mean, scary as shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> it's available everywhere now thanks to uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Right. You know, it was released on video on demand, and, and you can find it pretty much anywhere. So. Yeah. But this guy's got a lot of information. He teaches a master acting class. He's got a lot of valuable information for up-and-comers in the industry. Yeah. This is a really good interview. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. The reason why we love doing this podcast so much is imparting wisdom onto – basically up and comers trying to break into the entertainment exactly. industry and this is just a perfect interview that just falls perfectly with what we do with this show like he's just an amazing guy the up and comers are going to love this one i'm so excited for everyone to hear this one me too me too yeah it's going to be great but that's later on in the show now let's get a little crazy What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, episode 113. 113. Episode 100 felt like yesterday. I can't it, believe we're on I 113 know. already. 13. I mean, already, what, three months past the 100th episode. It's fucking wild. That is crazy like, how fast they're going by. I know. Like, it. I don't even know what to say about it because it's just, it feels like it's not even that long. It's no, not. no, it, it's just... But we're having a blast. And oh, you know yeah. what they say, time flies when you're having fun, right? Definitely. So. Definitely, man. And I mean, of course, your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? Man, we got a lot to talk about today. Of course, we're talking Disney. You guys know we love Disney. Of course. Of but, course. I mean, Warner Brothers. Yeah, Warner <laughs> Brothers had a big week, man. Yeah. A lot of announcements there. Exactly, exactly. A lot of stuff to talk about with them. Of course, talking streaming wars. Aunt Becky, back in the news. <laughs> They're going to be talking about yeah, her as well. Not back on uh, Fuller House, but no, back in the news. But back in the news, man. It's it's gonna be a crazy show. It's gonna be a crazy show. But before we get this thing started, you know we gotta plug our merchandise website, yes. the one and only crazyantmedia.com, where you can start shopping for the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear. You it's can true. get some amazing hats like these. That's you can right. get some shirts. Look at this, the logo uh, shirt. Yes, I got a logo shirt on yes. the way. Should be here later today or tomorrow. Just super excited. And uh, a little bit of company stuff as well. Uh, when this drops, guys, the new teaser trailer of the Ravens Vision will be available. Yes. So after the show, be sure to head over to our website, click on the Ravens Vision. Uh, drop down page and start watching that latest teaser Super trailer. excited about that, man. The, the first draft of the script is done. Like, that thing is just rolling along. Yeah. And, and man, whoo! I know, getting some critiques, getting some critiques. <laughs> and I must say, I mean... You know, we got compared to Dan Fogelman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes yeah. I mean, that was an epic compliment. So I'm just, I can't wait to see what we do next. Uh, like, I mean, I'm excited to just like, I mean, keep revising that script. Exactly. Start working on episode two. I'm just like, I'm pumped, man. Yeah, pumped. get it as perfect as possible, dog. Uh, but yeah, man, a lot of good stuff on the show today. But we got some somber news to start yes. this thing off. Uh, legendary. Jerry Stiller, best known for his roles in uh, Seinfeld and King King of Queens, passed away from natural causes on Monday at yeah. the age of 92. So, I mean, he was rocking and rolling and being as creative as possible up until the very end. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And I feel like, you, you know, you could kind of see he was on kind of the downside after yeah. he lost his wife. I mean, you know, when Ann Mira died, they were 61 years together. Exactly. You know when you lose your soulmate? 
you, you know, so of course we should say for anybody not familiar with how are you not, but Ben Stiller's dad. Yeah. We're talking about Ben Stiller's exactly. dad. Exactly. So um yeah, that's it's a huge loss, man. And and boy, the the community just the entertainment community just poured out with, you know, well wishes and, and condolences. I mean, he was a beloved guy for sure. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of beloved guys as well, another one we lost this week was Little Richard, yes. one of the most iconic rock and roll guys, flamboyant, just epic. He's up there with like Prince and everybody else. He died at uh, 87, yeah. uh, battling bone cancer. Yeah, for a while now. And that's, mm, you hate that. I mean, this guy literally, everybody credits, you know, Elvis, the king of rock and roll. Yeah. But it was Little Richard and some of the lesser known guys who actually came up with rock and roll. Exactly. Who created rock and roll. So. Uh, yeah, huge loss. And again, so many people come out with condolences and statements after his death. Uh, yeah. Just all kinds of musicians who credit their careers to him and stuff. So, um, yeah, just... I know. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And I mean, of course, Aunt Becky, we talked about it. Uh, a federal judge ruled that Lori Laughlin, it was, uh, this trial is still going to be going on on October 5th after losing her bid to having the college bribery case tossed out due to the allegations of the government misconduct. Yeah, you know, this bullshit her and her husband tried to claim that there was some shady shit by the government. It was all a conspiracy and they were being set up and they were trying to be taken as the fall guys yeah. for all this kind of stuff. Well, Judge Nathaniel Gorton uh, said, after consideration of the extensive briefing, the affidavits, and all of the information provided by the government and the defendants, the court satisfied that the government did not do anything wrong. Yeah. They did not lie or mislead the court. So the defendant's motion to dismiss their indictment was kicked out. Exactly. It You're going to like... court, Aunt Becky. <laughs> exactly. You're going to have to face the music, okay? Quit trying to mislead the country, okay? Yeah. You were once beloved by everyone. Now we see your shady as shit. Well, you should have done what Felicity Huffman and so many of the others did. Admit what you did. Yeah. Say you're sorry. Generally, be sorry. This would have been over by now. Exactly. Yeah, it would have been over by now. Exactly. You're didn't, going to jail, didn't Becky. did Felicity Huffman already serve her time? <laughs> yeah, already out already now. out, moved on. You know, a lot of them have. So, But these – Lori Laughlin and a few of these other parents who just can't own up to what mm. they did and, you know – I don't understand, man. I don't understand. Mm -mm. But uh, now it's time for some fun news. Let's talk about it. Talk about it. We love Disney bigger than the Mouse House. See my new Funko, the Mickey right. Conductor. Oh, my God. It's so badass. But, uh, I mean, they're trying to stay afloat, man. I they mean, are. It's, it's a little crazy right now. Disney has raised nearly $11 billion, that's with a B, and new debt offering as continues to deal with the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on its worldwide businesses. Yeah. We saw that... Uh, uh, Disneyland or Disney World Shanghai open Shanghai, back up. Yep, yep, at a thirty percent capacity. So, yeah, yeah, not not too many people. No, but, um, it's, it's a start. Some, it's yeah. something. Yeah, yep, it's a start. Uh, they're going to be underwriting these expenses for a long time, y'all. For like, it's going to include trenches uh, maturing in 2026, 2028, 31, 40, and fifty one. Yeah. So for the next thirty one years, <sighs> these guys are going to be paying off that debt. That's insane. So I know. Um, I mean, we talked about it last week and the week before that. I mean, just the amount. We don't even really realize the amount of shit that 
Disney has operating underneath its belt. Yeah, like, I, I mean, mean like, theme parks, films, television, streaming now, like all these amazing cruise lines. Like it's insane, and all these people also need to get paid. Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, this the scary thing about this though is that when a company gets that big and it's got that much money, like Bob Chapik said, that the purpose of some of these proceeds would be for general corporate purposes, yeah. obviously, but then also the repayment of debt obligations. So they're inquiring more debt. To pay off debt, yeah, that's just a revolving it's cycle. Scary, of, man. You know, that's scary. But I think Disney's gonna be okay. Yeah, they're, they're gonna be okay. I mean, it's Disney. I mean, we talk about every week their streaming numbers just keep going, boom, boom, boom. It's so crazy the streaming numbers. We yeah. got a little bit more of that in the news today too. It's gonna be, woo. But they did finally again readjust the the film schedule, okay? Yeah. Because you know, COVID is just causing all kinds of changes, right? Yeah. They did finally announce their 2020 release schedule for the rest of the year. Yep. Will it change again? We don't know. I mean, it might, but possibly. <laughs> this, this, this is the current right now. You guys know, we talked about this last week on the show. Hamilton was supposed to be in the theaters, right? It was going to be a big thing. You could finally go see Hamilton, even though not really on live stage, but yeah. in a theater would have been cool. Yeah. That's coming to Disney+. Plus. And really soon, July 3rd. So that's coming, like right around the corner. Yeah, exactly. Um, so really excited about that. I think that's going to talk about going to increase huge numbers for Disney Plus subscribers. Yeah. I think that's going to be massive. Now, that was the only one that they said would be released directly to Disney Plus. Yeah. Mulan, still coming to the theaters, guys, July 24th. Yeah. Empty Man, August 7th. The one and only Ivan, August 14th. This next one. The New Mutants. Finally happening. <laughs> you know that one that's been – the release date has been changed like 5,742 times. I know. But this time it's going to happen. Disney says this time you're going to see it. Right. You're going to see The New Mutants on August 28th. <laughs> the Beatles Get Back coming out September 4th. The Kingsman, the next installment in the Kingsman franchise. The Kingsman, September 18th. Death on the Nile, October 9th. Everybody's talking about Jamie, October 23rd. Black Widow. Yes. yes, finally. Phase four kicking off. Marvel, yeah. November 6th. Deep Water, that is going to be November 13th. Mm-hmm. Soul, November 20th. Free Guy, that's the one with um, Ryan Reynolds, you know, where he's kind of the caught in the video game kind of a thing, you know, where he's trying to escape the video game and become an actor. Yeah, hero. that one's an interesting premise. <laughs> yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun, but it's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. So, uh, December 11th, and then in limited released, The Last Duel yeah. on Christmas Day, and that's the one that reunites uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Yeah. So that's going to be a fun one, right? Yeah. So there you have it. At least for the rest of the year, God willing, that's the release schedule that you'll exactly. be able to see in theaters. So. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy, especially with, like, we talked about off air that California is not going to reopen until, like, maybe the end of August. Right. I mean, at the earliest. Yeah. So, you know, productions, whew, some of these are already in post. Yeah. So, you know, it, helps. yeah, that, yeah helps. that helps. But any of them that have to go back for reshoots or yep. any kind of thing like that. I don't know. I know. Hopefully this schedule sticks. I know, I know. And they they keep trying shit, too. They want to just keep putting content out there because we see that ABC is bringing back its wonderful world of Disney banner for a series of theatrical release movies. Yeah, I'm movies. excited about this one, if, uh, if you're a youngin' like myself, you don't know of Michael Eisner doing this back in the day yeah. and putting on some stuff. So I think that'll be really cool to get really personable with the CEO of Disney. I mean, it- I've... 
yeah. think that's awesome. I, and I hope I hope it's Chappic that does it, follows yeah. in uh, in Eisner's footsteps in doing that because Eisner fo- – a lot of people don't know, but my, I'm old enough. Uh, yes. I, Eisner followed uh, Walt Disney with that. Walt yeah. Disney used to introduce a Sunday night movie, uh, you know, and then Eisner brought it back when he came into the company. Yeah. Um, Tinkerbell, you know, yeah. bling, the little magic on the castle and yeah. kind of a thing. So uh, it was a huge hit. Yeah. It was huge for Walt. It was huge when Eisner brought it back. Um, and I think it's going to be big for now. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, they have four films that are already – they've already decided that they're going to run on uh, Wednesday nights for four weeks beginning May 20th. Uh, Disney's animation uh, Moana with uh, The Rock will lead the yep. series on May 20th. And then followed by Marvel's Thor Dark World. Don't know why they picked that, that one. It's an interesting that, that's one. A, yeah, that's an odd choice in my Could've opinion. Could have gone with Ragnarok, Just I think. Saying, but... th- that one's going to air the following week on May 27th. And then Pixar. Is up yes on, with our buddy ed asner yeah 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 on uh, june 3rd <laughs> and disney's animations uh big hero 6 on june 10th all four are also going to be available on disney plus the streaming service right i'm pretty after, sure they yeah. are yeah exactly so i'm excited all of those choices make me happy except for thor dark world yeah makes no uh, sense it's just it's kind of dark to introduce on a wednesday night for a family viewing doesn't i mean doesn't you know scream family no because like, i mean that's what it was all about the wonderful world of disney it was all about let's get the family around the tv gather them together and have this family night watching a movie thor dark world okay okay all right all right <laughs> now this one makes sense this is one you gather yeah. around the tv you watch with the family right sure. abc is planning a show unseen footage from taylor swift's city of lover concert yeah. in paris france um yeah that it was last september that she did that the special taylor swift city of lover concert will premiere straight after the american idol finale yeah that's gonna be sunday may 17th yeah there we so, go so um and then it'll be made immediately available on hulu and disney plus interesting hulu and disney plus yeah exactly i kind mean because taylor swift needs to be everywhere uh, everywhere i, I just, mean everybody knows about that documentary she has on netflix right now as well so that's right I mean, she, she it really is everywhere, is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though i mean everybody loves taylor exactly. T-Swift, right exactly mm-hmm. and i mean we were talking about disney subscribers a little bit earlier disney plus is expected to hit 202 million uh, global subscribers by 2025 and uh that's way up from the company's previous projections from like 126 they thought or what they have now yeah disney originally remember we talked about this way back when that when disney was getting ready to launch disney plus they only thought 60 to 90 million by 2024 yeah but now th- that pace 202 million by 2025 it's wild that's whew. and like we said a lot of stuff isn't even on there yet. No. Just, just wait. I mean, I, that's the big argument you hear from everybody. A, a bunch of Netflix lovers and all, you know, and we love all the streamers. So yeah. there, there is, but that's what you hear. Well, they don't have the content that Netflix has. It's coming. Exactly. It's coming. They, they haven't been around for a lot of years either. Um, but by yeah, if they stay at this pace, they're going to pass Netflix subscriber numbers like quickly. Quick as shit. Quickly. I know it's crazy. And it's only shit. briefly launched in the UK and yeah, like Europe. Exactly. You know, it's it's on a small level. They haven't even expanded to the broad full out rollout in Europe yet. So exactly. Just think about when that hits. I, I mean, I can't even believe it. It's insane. It's insane. And I mean, then Disney CEO Bob Chappick uh, confirmed that little, the, Bob. little Bob, little Bob. <laughs> 
soda bomb, uh, Michael Corleone there, uh, has confirmed that The Mandalorian Season 2 has wrapped production before COVID-19 outbreak, so that is still on pace, and there's not going to be any delays, guys. That's no. going to be premiered in October. Just so. like it was supposed to. Because exactly. everybody was talking about, oh, oh, no, you know, is it going to happen? Yes. It was already shot, already in post-production. Boom. Going to roll out. And there's a lot of news going on about that, too. Tamura Morrison, who played Jango Fett in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Yes. Will play the bounty hunter's son, Boba Fett, in Season 2. And yes. I know what you're thinking. Mandalorian takes place after Return of the Jedi, which we saw Boba Fett die in yeah. Return of the Jedi, right? But... He made a cameo in this season's Mandalorian, if you guys remember, if you watched really carefully in the end of The Gunslinger, the one with uh, um, Ma Ning Wen. Ming Na Wen. Ming Na Wen. Yes. <laughs> what? Quarantine, okay. guys. Quarantine. Yes. Anyway, he was at in that episode at the very end. His little spurs kind of showed up. So, um, interesting. This is going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm super excited, especially if they give some backstory on how he survived uh, that monster eating him. Uh, maybe he just got shit out or uh, something. I don't I, know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, saying. it's always interesting to see how they weave those stories. I know. Just bob and weave. Bob it's and weave. crazy. Uh, rumor has it that uh, might might have a little um, series planned for Boba Fett as well. Yeah, that's that's what they're saying. That'd that's be what, Maybe that's why they're putting him in there, kind of Spend, like give everybody a new shot at him and then say okay here he comes so yeah exactly mm. exactly i would really love if they portrayed him as the same way as mando as like it's all about the money he's either wherever the money is like if the dark side is paying him he's going over there if right. the jedis are paying him he's going over there he'll help baby yoda right. whatever this is the way like, this is the way that's that's i mean that I, I really do feel like that's all their their life yeah. is that that's so I yeah, don't know. They continue to survive, man. Not the only series coming, though. Not the only one. Star Wars Rogue One prequel series. Yes. Focusing on the adventures of Cassian Andor and his droid sidekick K2SO, right? Okay. All right. Uh, it was sidelined. Remember, we talked about this before. It was supposed to be rolling into production and coming, but it was sidelined because of the old corona. Yeah. Um, it's expecting now, they're saying, to see a lot of familiar faces from the films All make right. a return That's when epic. it does start filming. Including, are you ready for this? It, it, this is going to be good. Jimmy Smits. Mm, yeah, Bell yeah. Organa. Uh, apparently is is going to be in this. That would be epic, so man. He's in awesome. like every major franchise. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, like, and I loved that character. I like Jimmy Smits. Yeah. So I, I think this is a smart move. It's definitely going to get people to watch. Oh, yeah. Star Wars, man, it is rolling on Disney Plus. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Just saying. And then, I mean, more shit, more shit. Uh, Katie Sackhoff, yep. uh, who voices Mandalorian warrior uh, Bo-Katan Krazy on Star Wars Clo The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, will be playing the live-action version of her character in Season 2 of Disney Plus' The Mandalorian. They're really just tying all this shit together, right? It, yeah, it's going to be really cool. Um... I don't know how they're going to kind of like, because like I said, it all takes place in different time frames. Of, yeah. So how they're going to tie all that together is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm just super pumped. You know, if you're watching the documentary right now on The Mandalorian and you kind of see like, you know, John and Dave talking about 
all of the Star Wars world. You yeah. see their passion, you see their enthusiasm, and they are just going to slay it. Yeah. You know this is all in good hands, so however it plays out, it's going to be epic. Super excited, so. man. I mean, especially this man, Dave, has, like, he's made so many connections. He's, like, a live and breathe, die hard fan of Star Wars, and it's just so epic to see that on screen and just to be able to see that have someone have control of these projects yeah i mean i would love to have him on the show it would be epic to have him on the show and it's so funny because he thought it was a joke that he wasn't even be hired yeah he he thought it was the spongebob uh, guys i mean it's just crazy i know it's great are you excited about this next one i'm excited about this next one let's see a national treasure TV series oh, is in development okay. for Disney Plus. All right, and it's coming from Bruckheimer. All right, okay. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the movies, National yeah. Treasure, so I'm kind of pumped about this one. Yeah, I was a huge fan as well. I mean, I'm not a, really a huge fan of Nicolas Cage, but <laughs> I loved him in the National Treasure movies. So I mean, I mean, the only ones I really liked with him were honestly National Treasure and. Ghost Rider. Yeah, I was a yeah, fan Ghost of Ghost Rider. Rider. Was good. No. But um, Bruckheimer says that he's already got the pilot script done and an outline for future episodes. So it's and you know they're also doing a new National Treasure movie. So he's got all that in the works going on and everything. So that's pretty cool. Right. And of course, you know this isn't the first movie franchise to be made into a series for Disney Plus. They've also got the ones we talked about this on the show before: Turner and Hooch, The Mighty Ducks, and a Beauty and the Beast spinoff. Oh. are all coming as series right. to Disney Plus. Damn. So So them, they got shit in the can, man. There's the content coming, you Netflix people. The content is coming. Exactly. They're working on a lot of freaking stuff. (laughs) And I mean, really are. I think the advantage that they have over Netflix is these are all recognizable names, even though it's a series coming spawning from a movie and it might not be the same characters in the same aspects. These are all recognizable titles that people just can connect with. Yeah, and and that's Disney's selling point for sure. Branding. Yeah. You know, like like you said, literally Disney is a brand and then all of these content that's coming are all branded content. Exactly. From Marvel to Star Wars to, you know, National Treasure, it's all uh, so yeah, I think they definitely have the leg up there. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. They also have Hulu. They also have Hulu with <laughs> Bloomhouse. <laughs> like right. Oh my goodness. Hulu's Into the Dark has set the cast for its upcoming Independence Day themed installment and has preserved through COVID nineteen. I mean they're still rocking and Roland uh, to finish the July episode of the Bloomhouse Horror Anthology. Uh, Barry Watson is attached. Uh, Santiago, you could just go for it. I'm Sunita Henry. Sunita Henry. <laughs> Marvin Crumden Jones from Black Lightning. That's yeah. going to be a uh, Lily Birdsell, Kate Cobb, Ezra Buzzington, Joshua Burge. Uh, they're all set to star, man, which is going to air on July 17th. So. That's a pretty awesome cast. Dude. It is. I mean, it is. I agree. I apologize. I cannot say your names, but you are all amazing, talented people. <laughs> it's all right. I messed up Ming-Na, so I mean, it's come fine, on, it's man. It's fine. I mean, blame Corona. And I love Ming-Na Wen. I, I'm so disappointed I, I butchered that name. I know. I was How did I? I know. I know. I'm a I huge fan. Super surprised. But it happens. Yeah, it happens. Exactly. So it's okay. It does. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. Uh, fueled <laughs> by strong digital viewing, FXX new comedy Dave has been a breakout. We talked about it a couple weeks ago we about did. how this is 
bigger than Atlanta now, which was FX's biggest show. Yep. Uh, but now it's being renewed for a second season, guys, which will premiere in 2021. Uh, it's eclipsed the previous FX record holder, like we said, Atlanta, with yep. uh, which averaged around 5.2 million total viewers on all platforms in its first season. Yeah, we knew this was coming. They said if it stayed on pace with the 5 million plus viewers or so that it would eclipse uh, Atlanta, and it did. It did. Th- there you go. And when that happens, you of course get a second season. Oh yeah! Like why wouldn't you get a second season? Right? Oh show, Faux so show. yeah, the Mouse House rolling. Yeah. Got a lot of stuff coming out of there. Mostly Star Wars news, yeah. but you know, you know, Star Wars is Star Wars, so exactly. it's always good Everybody news, loves right? Star Wars. I mean, come on now. Yep. And then this next one, we're gonna shift on over because they had a huge week. And as we know, we talk about this all the time. The bunny is the biggest competitor for the mouse, right? Warner Media. Get this. Some exhibitors, aka movie theaters, uh, their websites are going to be sharing in the weekend's revenue when Warner Brothers releases Scoob, the new Scooby-Doo movie on digital and uh, pay-per-view. But how it works is if you go to one of your movie websites and you you go to click on Scoob from the movie website, it will direct you to the Warner Brothers site to buy or rent the movie. And then I guess – these movie websites are going to get a percentage of the profit, yeah. for, uh, you know, from every time they get clicked on to buy the movie or rent the movie. That's so. cool. At least they have some sort of arrangement because, I mean, with HBO Max not being out yet, I feel like they should get a little bit kickback of the profits. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. It's a smart move by Warner Media too, because it helps the theaters who are closed. I mean, yeah. you know, it. Ten percent of everything that's rented or bought isn't a huge amount of money, but when your doors are closed and no money's coming in, exactly, it's, it's a huge help. So exactly, I wonder if other studios will kind of follow suit with that. But we know Disney won't because they're not a fan of the whole video on demand paying for it. No. They just so. But it'll be interesting to see if NBC Universal or you know Viacom CBS does it with Paramount or whatever. It'd be interesting to see if they follow suit with that. Both show, man. Both show. And there's more stuff going on with uh, Warner Brothers and Warner Media. Uh, Dakota. Johnson is in negotiations to join a crazy uh, psychological thriller. Don't worry, darling. Uh, It's going to be directed by Olivia Wilde. Johnson will appear alongside previously announced cast of Florence Pug, Shia LaBeouf, and Chris Pine. That's a great fucking cast. Yeah, dude. I've been excited from the get-go. We talked about this a few weeks ago when there was a bidding war for this script. Yeah. Because Booksmart was... So big, yeah. And so Olivia Wilde became a hot property. So, of course, everybody was after it. And now with this cast, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I mean, and she's in it too. We should say she has a supporting role in it. Um, So she'll be directing it and in a supporting role. Epic. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this is crazy, man. She, I loved Booksmart. I think she's a yeah, brilliant same. director and we need more brilliant female directors. So I'm excited for this one. And she's and, not afraid to try shit either because that acid scene was really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. So right? uh, kudos to you for not being afraid to try things. No, because... I like, I like this casting though, Dakota Johnson, because remember she was with Shia LaBeouf and Peanut Butter Falcon and they were yeah. great together. Exactly. So I'm really curious to see how their relationship plays in here yeah. and, and what, what they're doing in this movie. So that chemistry is already established exactly Uh, exactly great shit man Mm. great shit Uh, i mean yeah okay okay we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel yeah we see for some movies anyway right yeah exactly uh warner brothers appears hopeful that the production of matrix 4 starring keanu reeves uh will uh restart at the early july yeah Uh, so i mean we we shall see i guess so apparently they have signed the entire cast for eight week extensions 
holding them through July 6th so yeah. that if they do start backup filming, you know they're still locked to these contracts. Yeah. Um, this is the crazy part, though. It, it's scheduled for a 2021 release. Um, not an exact date, but, you know, or if that'll be changed from if the movie theaters stay closed or whatever. But, um, this thing started filming like way back, right? you know, and now have, they kind of have to come back. So this, I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I heard a rumor that, um, John Wick four and then the matrix four would also be released in the same weekend and or the same month. Right. And that's like crazy. I, know. I mean, it'll be a, a Keanu fest at the box office a lot man so that was the good news yes the bad news is is and you might have heard about this the uk has loosened restrictions on production they're allowing things to pick back up they're allowing you know companies to start shooting again which would mean warner brothers yeah and warner brothers had two biggies over there the batman and the harry potter spinoff fantastic beasts three right good news no no they have announced (laughs) that they are still going to hold up production on those two films damn even though the UK has allowed things to start filming again. That's shitty. And I guess the reason for that they're saying is that one of the rules for filming being able to resume over there in, in the UK is that it must be declared COVID-19 safe. Mm. And they just feel like these these films are on such a large scale and require so many crew members and so many cast members that they just don't think that they can meet that guideline of COVID safe. So they would prefer to, at this point, keep the production shut down. Uh, I mean, that's fair. That's fair for health, but fuck. I know, man, because <laughs> I'm super excited about Batman. Yeah. I, I really am pumped about this film. But uh, Robert Pattinson seems to think it's a good thing, though. He says he's enjoying the time off, and the, the footage that was shot has been amazing. And I guess they've been editing while they've yeah. been, you know, and he's looking at it as, you know, a blessing as opposed to yeah, a bad thing. I, so. I saw a whole bunch of shit going through my Twitter feed saying that he's happy that he doesn't have a personal trainer right now right. just on his back because he doesn't think it's necessary to work out every single fucking day. Right, right. Which is and, hilarious. Yeah, which is so funny because Zoe Kravitz started that way and then realized oh shit maybe i need to kind of keep in shape you know and it's kind of trimmed it back down a little bit but it's so funny that both of them are talking about their diets and food to try to stay she she made the joke that the costumers are going to have to maybe have catwoman have a little bit bigger costume it's great but you know i I get that i mean you can't be expected to stay in that rock hard shape the whole time you're not shooting come on it'd be so rough so rough oh my goodness this next one sounds so freaking exciting sarah silverman and seth rogan are teaming up to voice a Christmas themed adult animated comedy series oh boy. for HBO Max. This yes. is just going to be wild. I'm just imagining Sausage Party during yeah, Christmas. Yeah, right, right. Like, Candy Smalls. Yeah. Candy Smalls. That is going to be Sarah Silverman. Um, She is the highest ranking female elf at the North Pole. All right. And when the successor to Santa Claus, who is going to be Seth Rogen, is poached by Amazon, what? On Christmas Eve, <laughs> Candy goes for her ultimate dream to become the first female Santa Claus. Epic. Female <laughs> empowerment. <laughs> now, is this a dig? Because we talk about this every week on the 
show that the biggies, the the five biggies now, are poaching each other's people, right? right? Is this, this is HBO Max, and the premise is that Santa's being poached by Amazon. Yeah. I feel like it's a total slap to what's going on exactly. in the industry, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's really interesting, though, because uh, Seth Rogen had, at least last to my knowledge, had a deal with Sony, but now the, this is multiple projects of his that are coming over to HBO Max. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, guess. Uh, maybe some works in the deal right yeah, there. Yeah, and you know who we don't talk about in this week's show? Yeah. Sony. Yeah, right? <laughs> so what's going on, Sony? What's You're happening? We're losing a bunch of projects. We ain't got nothing to say new about you. What like the fuck? Sony, bet- they're supposedly one of the big five left, but are they? Are they? I, I, don't, know. I don't know. We don't um, know. This next one is a little interesting, and I mean, I'm kind of hopeful, but also kind of worried. Yeah. Uh, because maybe they're just putting the different or the successful shows on hbo max but anyway dc's doom patrol season two will debut on hbo max and dc universe on june 25th yeah now like yeah exactly on both Uh, but my worry is if they put dc uh if they put doom patrol on hbo max and titans on hbo max what does that mean for dc universe i mean we've talked about it in previous shows with hbo max coming along and starting their own streaming service would uh dc universe become like insufficient i don't know because you're right they i mean i feel like hbo max could cherry pick all the hits yeah you know just grab doom patrol grab titans grab harley quinn uh, you know the animated series and, yeah. and pluck them over to and and where indeed does that leave yeah dc universe says they're good to go, that they've got funding in place and they've got new series you know, in place to be developed and that they feel like they can survive for at least another two years with no help at all whatsoever. So, But I don't guess that's going to be their decision so much. I mean, yeah. so I don't, I don't know, we're, man. We're going to see. We're going to see. It. But I will say if HBO Max decides to take all of these DC Universe shows and put them on HBO Max – also take the comic books as well. Yeah. I mean, and all the old shows and all the old movies, like all that, because that's what makes it great. Right. I mean, you can literally go through and read entire comic book series on, I mean, it's a brilliant I, I, streaming service. It's a brilliant, I, I just, I'm going to be really disappointed if it ends. Yeah. And, um, I hope Marvel does the same thing and like puts it on Disney plus. Yeah. That'd be epic. It, it would be. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, here, here's your I Seth see. Rogen though. American exactly. Pickle. What Remember we just, that's what we were just talking about. <laughs> American Pickle, the yeah. Seth Rogen starring comedy. That, like you said, moved from Sony to HBO Max. They've announced their lineup uh, release date, August 6th. So they're going to be coming August 6th. That's pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, with it premiering or with it launching, HBO Max launching at the end of May, August 6th isn't that long far away. So, Because I was wondering, what's the original situation going to look like for HBO Max? What's the original content going to be? Like, will there be any at all? But... I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. If it's if there's a good amount of original content that premieres within the next or within the first two three months, I feel like that'll be good. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on uh, you know over the past several weeks on shows like some of the old content, you know, the the, the Looney Tunes and yeah. you know the stuff they've got coming. This is apparently Wave Two, but like you said, it launches in, in this month May, and then Wave Two is only August. Yeah. So I mean, that's not too big of a gap. Um, they, I, I guess apparently they've got Search Party Season 3 coming in June. All right. Close enough on uh, July 9th. Expecting Amy. Um, that's Amy Schumer's uh, show, uh, July 9th. 
House of Ho, uh, July 16th, and Frayed, July 30th. So all those right. are all coming in Wave 2. Yeah. So, that I mean, that's a good chunk of original content, though. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, I mean, they're doing some interesting stuff, man. They're doing some interesting stuff. Like, the CW has just acquired former DC Universe series, Swamp Thing. You know, Swamp Thing premiered on May 31st, 2019 on DC Universe and was canceled, like, literally two episodes in like two weeks in after it's debuted on the streaming service yeah um it did play out its entire season though it did it, it just they announced the cancellation like like two weeks um, yeah, after it, it was, premiered it was just but crazy like devil's advocate here maybe this is their first cherry pick trying to make everything in their way i hope so because the cw as we know is the home of most of dc's television universe right and to we should say if you listen to the show you know but if if you haven't heard that the reason it was canceled is because the production company fucking screwed up with the tax incentives in the state of north carolina where they were filming this thing first of all set in louisiana why the fuck weren't you actually shooting it in louisiana they have great tax incentives by the way um anyway it was a fiasco on the production company's part it was a whole big misunderstanding had nothing to do with whether people were watching the show or liked the show or any of that it was just budget costs and because of the mess up with the tax incentive so i feel like I think it'll do. I think people are going to watch it, and we're going to tell you in a little bit when you can watch it on the CW. Um, but I think people will watch it, and I think it will get picked up for a second season. I, all, I, all the DC shows do pretty well on the CW, so I feel like maybe this is going to be good. Yeah. Maybe this is going to be good. I hope so, man, because like the couple episodes that I did watch, it was epic. It was epic, so it deserves it. So that's going to be interesting to see how that, how that goes. Wild, man. Absolutely wild. And we should say, here you come. They did – that's not all they announced. They announced their entire 2020-21 lineup. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Uh, I, I have something to say about this too, but we'll, <laughs> let's, let's get through what they did say and then we'll talk about what they didn't say. Yeah. They announced that in January they will be launching their 2020 and 2021 schedule. Um, they're going to air the lineup of acquired scripted series, like what we just talked about, uh, Swamp Thing, um, and an alternative programming as well as the conclusion of, because everybody wants this, and everybody was pissed when they thought this wasn't going to happen, but it's going to happen. Yes. The conclusion of Supernatural. Yes. The finale will happen in the fall where it was supposed to happen. So that's good news. The late start of the season will not impact the size of the orders of the shows. There's still going to be anywhere between 13 and 22 episodes, like all their shows are, depending on what show it is. So there was no change in that. And the mid-season is going to start with May, which is going to give it a really tight schedule because, as you guys know, all the new shows usually debut in October on the CW. Right. They they. they you know, do that weird release schedule, and but they're sticking to that. So the window between mid-season and, and then October is going to be real short this time. Interesting. Um, but it's it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, on the CW's mid-season, so don't get don't don't be scared here when we start announcing these shows that they announce. These these shows are still there. It's okay. Supergirl and Dynasty, Roswell, New Mexico, um, in the dark, uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Kung Fu, the reboot of Kung Fu, and the Republic of Sarah. We've talked about all the – they're there. 
they're going to be in mid-season. They're going to be in May. Yeah. So when we tell you what's coming, don't panic when you don't hear those shows. They're still there. They're all good. It's safe. It's fine. It's safe. Oh, <laughs> they're going to be there. They're just coming in May. Yeah. They have not made a decision on um, Lucy Hale's Katie Keene, the spinoff from Riverdale. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they're going to wait a few more weeks to see if um, the streaming numbers can maybe boost the numbers on it. Uh, I guess the the regular linear, you know, when you're watching it on the CW or whatever, has been kind of soft. Um, yeah, I so. mean, I feel like the whole Riverdale franchise has kind of died down a little bit. I'm just saying, yeah. I don't, I haven't watched the new uh, Katie Keene uh, series, so I don't know about that one. But Riverdale, personally, I dropped off after season three because it was weird. It so. got weird, right? Like, like I, I think the whole premise of what made it awesome was gone. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um. I don't know. So for anybody waiting, and boy, they took their time releasing this thing too. Yeah. I guess they weren't even sure. But for the rest of the year, for the fall, coming up in the fall, here's your schedule. On Monday, whose line is it anyway? It's going to go back-to-back episodes. And then Penn and Teller fool us. Interesting. That's your Monday lineup. Tuesday, you're going to get Swamp Thing and Tell Me a Story. Two picked up series, one from CBS, one from DC Universe. Yep. Um, Wednesday, you're going to have two sentence horror stories, Dead Pixels and Coroner. That's your Wednesday lineup. And then this is the one everybody's excited about. Thursday, Supernatural. Yes. Yes, coming in the fall, Supernatural. We'll be back. We will see the ending of that. Uh, and then The Outpost is also going to be on Thursday. Friday, World's Funniest Animals. That's your fall lineup. Yep. That's what you guys are going to get. So it's like some unscripted stuff and some pickups and then Supernatural. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean it sounds like they're just trying to make everything work. And, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, especially if you have to air two episodes back to back. I'm yep. sure fans aren't going to be mad about that. No. So, no. I mean, you got to get – you got to make a lemonade out of some lemons. I feel you, man. I feel exactly. you. And then – all of your new shows plus returning favorites when they launch in January, the new 2021. Here's your lineup. All-American and Black Lightning will be Monday. And then you will have The Flash. Superman and Lois. Uh, <laughs> the Flash and Superman and Lois on Tuesday. And that Superman and Lois is in the time slot that we normally saw Arrow in. We'll talk about that. Uh, Wednesday is Riverdale and Nancy Drew. Yeah. Thursday is uh, Jared Padalecki's new one, uh, which makes sense because after the fall, Supernatural's gone. Walker, yes. the reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger, is coming. That one. That's one's going to be Thursday, uh, along with Legacies. Friday, another Penn and Teller Fool Us. That's going to be a new night. They're moving to Fridays. All right. Um, and the same thing with Whose Line Is It Anyway? They're going to move to Fridays when the new season starts. Uh, Sunday, Batwoman and Charmed. Char- the Charmed reboot's going to move to its new night on uh, Sunday. So, there you go. Yeah, man. Um, what did we not say? What did we not say? <sighs> Green Arrow and the Canaries. Yeah. You know, the backdoor pilot that was huge in the ratings? It was... <laughs> can, do I, can I remind you, CW, that it was huge in the ratings? Everybody wants it. Not a word. Nobody Crickets. Knows. Silence. They didn't say it wasn't moving forward. They didn't say it is moving forward. They said fucking nothing. <laughs> there are a shit ton of us nerds out there that need to know, CW. Exactly. Is Green Arrow and the Canaries coming? It, we, we just want to know. I think everybody deserves to know. Catherine McNamara deserves to know. Katie Cassidy deserves to know. 
Julian Hargitay deserves to know. All we all deserve to know. <laughs> it was a brilliant show. It needs to come. It needs to come. And for anybody at Warner Media who is listening, take this advice. If you pass on it at the CW, fucking pick it up on HBO Max. Just saying. It's a great show. Yeah. And the people need the arrow in Arrowverse. It's still the fucking Arrowverse. You need an arrow. <laughs> done. I'm done ranting. Are you sure? Yep. Yeah, no, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so oh and this next one, because I'm old. As we've determined over and over, as J-Lo likes to tell me every week. Yes. HBO Max has ordered a pilot and five additional scripts for a head of the class reboot. I had no idea what this was. He had to tell me. I have no idea. Why are we continuing to do reboots? Stop with the fucking reboots. Head of the Class was a great show. It launched a shit ton of careers. You remember Robin Givens? She's on Riverdale. You know Robin Givens, right? Mike Tyson's ex. You know Robin Givens was a teenager on on Head of the Class. That's kind of where she became famous. Howard Hessman, you know, Johnny Fever from WKRP in Cincinnati for all you old folks out there. You, you know who I'm talking about. He was like the teacher. Also, Brian Robbins, who went on to form a production company and created Smallville in a shit ton of shows that you watch on TV to this day. Dan Schneider, the king mecha god himself of Nickelodeon shows. Yeah, exactly. I mean, iCarly and Drake and Josh and Victorious and like everything basically on Nickelodeon. Dan Schneider, all of these people were on that show. They were all the teenagers in the class with Howard Hessman teaching. That <laughs> we don't need this. We don't need we don't, it. We got a Save by the Bell reboot. We don't need another high school reboot. No. We shouldn't do the Save by the Bell reboot. Just we don't saying. need a Head of the Class reboot. Okay. Just say it. I feel like I'm. I, I'm. I'm. I'm just getting it. I, I just You're very I don't, ranty today. I am ranty, but we don't like reboots. I know. There are creators out there that have original content that deserve to be seen, and we keep doing reboots. Exactly. Why? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like ourselves, go watch our teaser trailer. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know either, but you know, just just let's. I'm excited for Warner Media and HBO Max, and then I'm also worried about what the fuck is going on at Warner Media. Yeah. Get your shit straight with the DC Universe. And also stop doing reboots. And also stop doing reboots. Just saying. Just and saying. here's two that aren't coming back. Now we're switching over to NBC Universal. Okay, NBC Universal has decided to give the old Evo to the Purge and Treadstone. Treadstone's that uh, Born Identity uh, uh, television series. Yeah. Remember, yeah. he's from the Treadstone. I can see that. Um, yeah. Neither coming back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Purge aired two seasons. Treadstone only got one season. Both are done. Deuces. Yes. It's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It almost seems like you, you don't give enough time for the shows to build up an audience. And you I don't. mean, maybe The Purge wasn't that good. I mean, they should have stopped after the freaking umpteenth installment of The Purge. Right. So, I mean, right. but uh, I mean, Treadstone, you know, you know, you just got to build an audience, especially after I, one season. It sucks. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that because it, I guess in essence, it was the prequel to the whole Treadstone thing that launched Born. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. But they also canceled uh, Draw, uh, Dare Me. So, I mean, they're just announcing cancellation after cancellation after cancellation. It's super wild. Um, they super are doing wild. some cool stuff, though. And this next one is really cool. I know, right? Like The Roots, the house band for NBC's The Tonight Show. Everybody knows about The yeah, Roots. Yeah, The Roots, all the, the, the little uh, 
videos that they do, those music videos that they do. With Hell, yeah. Yeah. Hell just, yeah. They are drumming up some new business uh, for their production company. Didn't know they had a production company, yeah. so that's epic. 215 Entertainment. Yeah. If you didn't know, exactly. now you know. They're striking a first look deal with Universal Television. Uh, Questlove, who is the drummer, everybody knows uh, Questlove, and yep. then uh, Black Thought, who is the front man of the group, are working on a Universal, are working with Universal Television and Universal Television Alternative Studios to develop scripted and non-scripted programming for, and specials for the studio. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, and will they show up on the Peacock or where, you know, NBC or like where at? It doesn't really say, but that's cool. Yeah. I mean, these guys are badass. You I know, agree. And him and them and Jimmy Fallon are just brilliant Hilarious, together. Yeah. And so, and this continues their relationship. They've been at NBC for a long time since 2009 with Jimmy Fallon. So, um, I, good for them. Yeah. We, we need more talented, creative people like that putting out original content. Just saying. Whoop, whoop. Just, good move. Yeah. Good move, I'm NBC proud Universal. Of you. Proud of you. Still hate your fucking name for this next story, I'm but you know. Saying, just saying. Peacock. Uh, <laughs> they will begin streaming at home variety show, a short form week, weekday series featuring stars from NBC Universal. NBC Universal's family to aid uh, COVID-19 relief efforts. I know. And you're excited about this one, I know, because your boy Seth MacFarlane is going to host every episode. I mean, that's just fucking epic. I mean, we need more Seth MacFarlane in all of our lives. Yeah, and you know, we know he signed a major deal with NBC Universal recently, so this is part of his mega overall deal with them. Um, So, yeah, Seth MacFarlane's another one who's just a brilliant creator who's putting out original content. Exactly. So, yeah, we love original content. Content. Exactly. Still hate the name. Seth, can, can you get them to can you rethink get in there? this peacock thing, man? Like, what the fuck? Can the you get in there? I mean, like, <laughs> fucking crazy. Can you get in there? <laughs> like, Woo! I don't know. Get in there. That's a home digger, Bobby. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. I bet Seth could get in there. Uh, I mean, you, you know. know. Um, <laughs> switching to Viacom CBS. Mr. Tyler Perry, Atlanta's he he damn near owns Atlanta now. I like I really do think he owns Basically. Atlanta now. Basically. He is reopening for business this summer. That's yes. right. Tyler Perry Studios is opening for business to shoot a couple of BET series that are gonna be coming in July. So yeah. that's exciting. Super excited, especially for us. We're gonna be making our way down there, man. Exactly. I mean, you were literally just talking about this about how a lot of we think a lot of productions are going to be to try to survive now, especially since California, fucking August, yeah, are going to be making their way to Hollywood South, Atlanta. A lot of shit already films. I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware, but like all the Avengers movies and like all these, the majority of them are shot in Georgia already. Exactly. You know? So uh, this is exciting, though. And by the way, Tyler Perry, the largest film studio in the country. Did you know it's bigger than all of the ones in Burbank? Right. All, uh, bigger. It's huge. Epic, man. Reopening. Sisters is going to begin on July 8th with The Oval starting on July 28th. Yeah. 22 episodes uh, orders for both shows. Um, filming for each series is going to take place over approximately two and a half weeks. And Perry did want to go on record. He did say that he is working closely with officials for the states and the unions in the states to ensure that all the regulations under the new COVID-19 rules and stuff are being met that's and that everything will be done safely that's so he's not just gonna you know i'm opening it up and doing you know he's doing everything the proper way so good for him man good for him i'm glad he's trying to bring more business back into the entertainment mecca of 
I mean, Atlanta. It I is. Mean. I mean, it's 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 huge. It's and Tyler Perry is the reason. Yeah. I think you know. I mean, he he just. It's a me. I think if Tyler Perry didn't initially make his stuff in Atlanta and do everything he did in Atlanta, that whole film incentive program never happens. And yeah. and we know now. I mean, the film industry and the incentive program in Georgia is massive, and it lures just literally billions of dollars into that community. You know, on a yearly basis, and. That's Tyler Perry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he started it. So I, I just I think it's great that, that he's that he's continuing to do stuff there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, this next one sounds really interesting. It uh, does. Russell Crowe, nobody's heard from him in a while, mm-hmm. or at least I haven't. Um uh, will be headline or will headline American Son, a mob thriller that was previously set up at Sony. Uh, what yet the fuck another are you one doing? that Sony lost. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> uh, but is now at Paramount. The film follows a man who builds a uh, multiracial cr- multiracial crime syndicate after following under the control of a mobster played by Crow. I can see Crow as a mobster. Oh yeah, that'll be badass. I mean, I loved him in um, that one with Denzel Washington. Yeah, Fuckin', yeah, American uh, Gangster. Yes, yes, it was so badass, good. right? So good. Even though he wasn't a mobster, he was the cop. But still, exactly. Still, he, he, he knows. He knows. So apparently this guy takes down Crow, though. The, yeah. the premise is this guy takes down his mentor, Crow, earns a spot alongside the Italian... And Russian mafias. Damn. That's a lot happening. It's a badass motherfucker. You in a Russian and Italian mafias. Right. I'm just saying. That's pretty badass. Yeah, that's really. Dun dun. dun Law and Order dun, alum. Dun, <laughs> Sex dun. in the City. Mr. Big. Sex in the City alum. Chris Noth is going to be joining Queen Latifah in the Equalizer reboot. Oh, shit. What? I know, right? What? It's a reboot, so I'm not overall happy with this. I, I mean, I thought the original show was pretty good. I loved the Denzel Washington movies. If you were going to keep doing them, just keep doing them with Denzel. But fuck it, we're doing a reboot, and Queen Latifah is taking over, so it's, it's going to be. Is. But Chris Noth, I mean, come on. If you're going to pair somebody with Queen Latifah and you're going to be doing in a CIA law enforcement type, you know, espionage show, Chris Noth's badass to do it. Yeah. So, um,. There you go. Exactly. He's going to be playing William Bishop, and he's going to actually be Robin. Who Robin is uh, Queen Latifah's character. He's going to be her first handler at the CIA. Okay. They have a very father-daughter relationship yeah. kind of a thing. So It's going to be interesting, man. It's I be love both. I love yeah. Queen Latifah. I love Chris Noth. Not so sure about the reboot. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, right? it, it, you know, you know. So funny. Going to go with it, though. Yeah. Going right, to go with it. Right. This, ugh, this next one, speaking of reboots I fucking hate. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, One Day at a Time. Yeah. It's not Bonnie Franklin. It's not Valerie Bertinelli. It's not – no. It's some remake. It, it's, <laughs> I just – nothing against the cast and crew. They're all brilliant. They're fantastic actors and they're all wonderful people. Just fucking hate reboots. But this one won't die. Remember we talked about One Day at a Time? They were going to be – because they're shut down and everything. They were going to do an animated one, right? Yeah. An animated. Woo-hoo, woo Well – they shared the first look at the animated episode, and guess who's in it? Who? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, all right. Not only will this reboot not die, but now they have Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right. Of course everybody's going to watch it now because nobody will not watch it with Lin-Manuel <laughs> Miranda. Uh, I, I just – I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. I can't wait to see Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Uh, how many times can you say that name fast? Yeah, not very many. Lin Manuel Miranda. But I no, said no, no, no. Lin Manuel Miranda, but I fucked up Ming Na Wen. I know, right? How like it happens? I love you, Ming. I love you. I love you. Um, Come on the show. Anyway, that he's gonna join uh, returning guest stars Gloria Estefan and Melissa Fornero. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> not watching. <laughs> I'm still not watching. <laughs> Let's move into the streamers because we can't talk anything without streamers, yeah, right? It's all about the streamers. Uh, Netflix. Reese Witherspoon is going to star in not one, 
two, two. upcoming rom-coms for Netflix. She is everywhere. She's got deals with Apple. She's got deals with uh, uh, Hulu. She's got deals with Amazon. She's got deals with Netflix. They just keep coming, man. Her Sunshine Productions. Killing it. Everywhere. Two upcoming romantic comedies. Your Place or Mine and The Cactus. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> she will also produce the projects through her Hello Sunshine Company. Um, your Place or Mine is going to center on two long-distance best friends who change each other's lives when one decides to pursue a lifelong dream and the other volunteers to help her. Uh, I on her friend's teenage son. Oh. You know what the other interesting one about that is? Jason Bateman is on as a producer. Oh, yeah. interesting. Jason Bateman and Reese Witherspoon. Always produces some good content. He does. The Cactus. Guess where this one's based out of? I mean, The Cactus. Um, I, have a, I have a theory. The Cactus is based on Sarah Haywood's best-selling novel of the same name, which was also Witherspoon's book club pick last month because she's got a book club too. Um, it focuses on a woman's unexpected pregnancy at 45 years old, causing her to rethink the structured life she has created for herself. She then goes on an unconventional journey towards love, family, and learning to embrace the unexpected. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I mean... See, Reese Witherspoon, the only problem I see there is that you don't look 45. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she looks exactly the same as she did. Like, exactly. It's, just... it's absolutely crazy. She's amazing, though. So it's awesome to see her prosper and with all this female-centric content. Speaking of another guy who's just rocking and rolling, right, with uh, Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Um, in a seven-figure deal, Netflix has acquired our man from Jersey, a star vehicle for our for Mark Wahlberg. He apparently signed an overall deal with Netflix as being Netflix's guy right now. Apparently, I mean, this is his. I guess they're developing this as a as a series of films. They've already we already talked about that they're doing a series of films with Spencer Confidential. Yeah. So Mark Wahlberg like kicking ass at Netflix, man. This one's going to be uh, scripted by Safe House writer David Guggenheim, and it's described as a blue collar 007. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I thought a 007 was blue collar, but uh, right, yeah. no, he's gray collar. Never mind. Never yeah. mind. <laughs> Never mind. It's fine. It's fine. He, seven figures though. Wahlberg is rolling in it, man. Millions and millions of dollars. Exactly. Uh, Netflix has also slotted June 5th as a fourth and final season of 13 Reasons Why, which kind of dropped off after season two. I'm just saying. Uh, joining the cast for the final season are Gary Sinise uh, as Robert Elman, a compassionate, insistive, no-nonsense adolescent and family therapist who works to help Clay Jensen. Because Clay is still fucked up. Still fucked up. <laughs> still fucked up. Um, I feel sorry for this kid. Yeah, yeah. And Jean-Louis Castanellos is going to be Diego Torres, a charismatic, aggressive, and fiercely loyal leader of a divided football team. Okay. All right. Maybe another Bryce character after Bryce got killed. Maybe. Whatever. Maybe. Yeah. I just think this should have ended after season one. Yeah. Uh, it should have been a miniseries. It, it should. I mean, there was 13 reasons why all 13 reasons played out. We found out why. Done. This did not have to be extended. It did not. So, so now going over to Apple, Ridley Scott and his shingle, Scott Free Productions, yes. has inked a first look deal television with Apple under a multi-year deal. Uh, Scott Free will develop global television projects for Apple TV+. Plus. Scott David 
uh, Zucker and Clayton Kruger and uh, Jordan Sheehan acting as executive producers on all of those projects. Uh, competition for the company was pretty competitive, so, I mean, they really could have went anywhere they wanted, but they chose Apple. Yeah, I mean, smart move. Apple's got money. Apple wants to put stuff back. I mean, come on, Ridley Scott's one of, like, the best directors in the last, what, 25, 30 years. Yeah. Easy. Um and Scott Free has had a lot of hits. So this only makes sense that a lot of studios or a lot of streamers are trying to go after it. So congratulations, Apple. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Ridley Scott, so I'm excited to see what he's going to bring, uh, you know, and, and what we're going to get for Apple. For sure. Um, some, some adventure type stuff, maybe some excitement, you yeah. know, because Ridley does great action adventure movies. And so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And this next thing I'm pretty excited about. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con, we announced that it was canceled, all the attendance and everything. Everything was canceled. Nerds everywhere were crying. So sad. So sad. But then they also announced that an at-home version of the event will be streamed this summer. The date has yet to be announced. Uh, the convention was originally slated for the beginning or to begin uh, July 23rd. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the digital version is going to be held somewhere around that date. They're just probably trying to figure out all the logistics. So. I'm I'm excited about this, though. Even their little promo poked fun at because, you, you guys, San Diego Comic-Con is a hard ticket to get. Yeah. It's almost impossible. You know, they, over the past 20 30 years we talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago this is where all the big studios launch their shit especially superhero tent pole movies you know and to get into a hall and listen to the presentation is almost fucking impossible yeah so but now with this digital version of it you're going to be able to everybody gets a pass like they said and you can sit on your couch and watch all these epic things that you had no shot in hell of doing exactly you know before so i'm excited about this i think this is going to be really cool yeah i can't wait man it's going to be epic and maybe we'll even stream along I hope so. Right. I mean, that'd be cool. I, I, we're nerds. Yeah, you of know. course we're going to watch if we can. Like, I mean, you know, wh- for sure. why wouldn't we be? For sure. It feels good to end industry news on a good subject, though. Yeah. Like, this is a good thing that's happening, San Diego Comic-Con. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but anyway, guys, now it is time for our guest segment. We got the one and only Jameson Jones coming on the show. We're so super freaking excited. Indie yes. film prodigy, basically anything you have seen, he's been on he's that guy that you just cannot place <laughs> he's epic man i mean he's such a great guy such a great teacher i mean just the way he conveys his emotions and his storytelling just in this interview you could see why people would want to learn from him yeah he's he's definitely passionate about what he does and he's covered all of the base i mean theater television film guy has done it all um so yeah i I mean and and some really solid advice yeah like you said at the top of the show this is what we kind of really pride ourselves on with the show is for the up-and-comers who listen to get the advice that they need to somehow survive in this industry or make it in this industry and today this interview gives you a lot agreed agreed well here he is Jameson Jones, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. How are you? Hey, thank you. Fantastic. I'm so glad to be here in the Ant Farm. Yeah. <laughs> now remember, it's got crazy in the title, so we can't promise that it won't get a little crazy. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm ready. I'm ready for some crazy. I'm That's already right. going a little crazy. There we go. That's right. It's quarantine, right? We're all a little exactly. crazy at this point. 
That's right. We're all just trying to keep our sanity here. So. <laughs> Definitely. <Yes>. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know that's right. Well, listen, man, we're so excited to be talking to you today. I mean, the the Wretched, we're, we're definitely going to be talking about the new movie that just came out, so we're super pumped about that. And Fantastic. man, dude, your list of credits, man, some impressive stuff. You've been on like some huge shows. Burn Notice was an all-time favorite of mine, so that that's awesome. Um, but Fantastic. yeah, it, it's just amazing, and we're going to get into that too and talk a, bit, a little bit about your career for sure. Um, but what we like to do first is because we got a lot of up-and-comers that listen to the podcast that are trying to get into the industry. So we always kind of like to have our guests introduce themselves a little bit and kind of talk about how they got into the industry and how they made the move to where they're at today. So was it something you always envisioned yourself doing? Did you always know I'm going to be an actor? Or how'd that happen, man? Well, as a kid, uh, every Sunday we'd uh, you know we'd go to church, and then right afterwards we'd, uh, we'd go out to the movies. And I just fell in love with this idea of storytelling. And, and as a... As a young human, I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with it. And so I started getting into theater in, in high school. And then I sort of fell in love with that side of things, not not really having um, any sort of way to, to get connected to the film and television industry. Uh, you know, I just started doing theater and, and musicals are uh, what I had the opportunity to work on. Which and that was, was in Michigan, right? You were that, in Michigan? Yeah, that was, yeah. A, that was at Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I was, te- I, and I was a terrible singer, terrible dancer. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> so theater was the obvious choice, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so I was just looking for any opportunity to do something where I could tell those stories, uh, but not sing and dance. Um and and so I, I I had a wonderful program in in high school and it just gave me the opportunity to do a little bit of that and there was a there was a theater company not too far away at uh, Oakland University mm-hmm. that always brought in these amazing actors from New York it was a, one of the regional theaters and I became a part of uh, a little um, education program there and really got an introduction to what real acting is which then made me want to be a real actor and i guess <laughs> and you realized <laughs> what, what, you didn't have to always sing and dance right? <laughs> right and then what i thought real acting was was you know doing classical theater and shakespeare and you right. know um all, all of that stuff check off and so i i um I, I went to college and i studied all of that and i ended up at this wonderful program at the uh, american conservatory theater in san francisco which is one of the top training programs in the country for actors and uh, I feel like I came out of that, though, wearing my training like a suit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the whole idea of an actor is to, in a sense, kind of expose yourself to, right. to be naked, to be vulnerable, to be available. And here I am walking around in this steel suit of armor. <laughs> my training. Just the opposite, um, right? No vulnerability yeah, yeah. at all. <laughs> exactly. Vulnerable. No, I can't. I can yell, though. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, hilarious. well, I mean, it's, do you still do a lot of theater? Because I mean, I, you know, you do obviously film, television, and and theater such different mediums in their own mm-hmm. rights. Uh, do you have one that you prefer over the other, or you know what? I don't. I I love them all, and I love them all for different reasons. I still try to do theater when I can. Um, I'm actually supposed to be in Germany right now doing a, oh, a wow. new play called uh, American Sun at the English Theater of frankfurt um which obviously got canceled because of uh, because yeah. of all this <laughs> yeah, exactly so yeah I, I really do love theater i think it's the actor's medium and i think it is the place where an actor is made i think all actors have to train on the stage 
because it forces you to tell the whole story in one sitting. Right. And it forces you to have a through line for the character. There's a beginning, there's a middle and an end. There's a point where the character changes. They start this way. There's the inciting incident. There's all of this stuff that leads, leads up to that climax or that cruxed move. And then you have the denouement who, that comes down the other side. And I think all of that is essential. And part of the problem, I think, with actors that don't have that training is you get into film and television, you're, you're just... You're telling stories in little snippets, but if you don't have a thread or a through line, then you're always dependent upon the director to give that to you. Mm. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And of course you get, unlike the other mediums, you get that instant gratification. You you know what's working and what isn't because you have a crowd right there to let you know. That's right. So, you know, so well, let's be honest. That's what it really is, right? <laughs> Yeah. It's the applause. Yeah. That's right. No, there's no, no better but... feeling than that applause, but there's got to <laughs> also be, there's no worse feeling than that move audience in silence when you right. think something was working and it wasn't, right? Yeah, you're like, oh, this line's really funny and they're crickets, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a medium. I, I, we, we've had a lot of guests on in the past who talk about that, though, that it, that it, it literally is. They go back and do th- theater just to stay you know, tuned. They they think of it yeah. as like if you were a, a fighter or an athlete, this is where you train. You go back to theater and train because, you know, I think exactly what you said. It's a medium that you have to do in order to, to hone your craft. Yeah, absolutely. I just finished a production of Arsenic and Old Lace and Man, that show is one of those kind of tried and true comedies, but it's one of those plays that if it doesn't go off right, it can be terrible. Yeah, I only <laughs> imagine. <laughs> and like... it's got to move. It's got to move at 100 miles an hour, and you just got to trust that you are clear and articulate enough that the audience will jump on and take the ride with you. But if you slow down for a second and they get ahead of you, they just start judging. Yeah. So – um, that that was super fun, and a few years before that, I did Macbeth, which taught me uh, a oh, lot wow. about uh, human the human condition and human behavior, and getting into the mind of that character is wow. That's that's something I absolutely love that play. I bet I, I can only imagine, man. And you travel yeah. everywhere, basically all around the world, to perform theater. What is your where is your favorite place to perform? Are the audience different in some uh, regions of the world, or are they kind of all the same? No, I, I think they're they're very different. I okay. was really excited to hear the audience's response to this play, American Sun, in Germany, because mm-hmm. they they have a different perspective on mm. the things that are happening in the story or the things that they've seen in the news. I mean, this one feels a little bit like it's kind of ripped out of the headlines. Right. So, you know, they have a different perspective on things, or or they'll find something funny that isn't funny here, or you you knew that this line wasn't funny and they laugh at it. So <laughs> it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic to be in that situation with with an audience from a completely different demographic than you're used to playing and and seeing what they find interesting and engaging and and of course funny. That yeah, that's an excellent yeah. point. It's it just what what some people what one culture might find funny another might not. That's exactly. that's a really good point. Um, yeah. So well, kind of like going from Michigan to California, I would have to imagine that was quite the culture shock. Oh, definitely. And then, <laughs> Midwest. <to> the... <laughs> you know, yeah. So you've shed the armor, okay? You're, you're yeah, showing a little bit armor. of vulnerability and everything. <laughs> How does one shed the armor and make the jump from theater? to film and television because like it's a completely different genre it's got to be a whole different ball game right yeah there there are, there are aspects of it that are very different and there are aspects of it that are exactly the same and this is what i tell actors all the time because i i have a 
a masterclass that I teach on Mondays for actors. And the preparation is the same. The given circumstances are the same. The character is the same. The way that you prepare, the, the character bio, the, the, the guideposts, the, the things that you do to prepare for telling that story are the same. It's the difference is that at some point the camera is close enough to be inside the performance right. Ooh, and no right. longer are you presenting this material to an audience that's sitting before you. They're now in your head and you don't have to, in a sense, work so hard or tell them. And audiences can't stand it when you tell them what to think or you show them where they should look or, you, you know, they love it when they look over at their friend and they go, I bet you didn't really realize this, but he's the killer. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So audiences love to feel smart. So if, if you're telling them everything or what I like to call telegraphing everything, then they just tune out. They go, Oh, that doesn't feel like human behavior. That doesn't feel like the way somebody would do that or say that. And, and they tune out and, and they don't really know exactly why they're tuning out. But human beings are experts at being human beings. And that's why every audience member is a critic, right? Because they just, they know what it is to be human. So Absolutely. they don't want to be lied to, you know? Did you find it difficult to, to because we've had a lot of people that, that came from a theater background and they said one of the things they found the most difficult was to not overact when they made the transition to film and television. Because on stage, you know, you've got to project yourself. You've got to put yourself out yeah. there boldly. And they said sometimes it was difficult to, to step back a little bit because they didn't have to boldly project their voice or, or, you know, make their movements so wild as they would have to on stage. Did you find that tra transition a little bit difficult or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's really, quite honestly, where I shed the suit of armor. Where I go. went, oh, 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 okay, I don't, I don't need to present this. I don't need to push this. I don't need to show this. I don't need to telegraph this. And there was a point in which I kind of surprised myself and went, oh, my God, I'm, I am actually feeling the things that I'm feeling. Yeah. I'm actually <laughs> feeling the things that I'm saying. That's like, right. They didn't teach me that. Right. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when that armor comes off. Exactly. It's yeah, almost like exactly. less is more when it comes to television and film because you just got to portray, like, you got that close-up shot that's literally right in your face. And, like, yeah, less is more, I feel like. Yeah. And, and, and to that end and almost on the opposite side of it, there are some actors out there that, that think that, they should just do nothing and be natural with mm. different words. It's just me with different words. And that's not the case because mm -hmm. a, a writer, a writer went to great lengths to write this piece. And right. I think the actor has to honor that by saying, okay, yes, how is this character similar to me? And let me um, embrace that part of myself. And then how is this character different from me? And let me go out into the world and observe that and digest that and bring that in and do a little research and pull all that together so that it's not just me with different words. It's me playing this part that this writer wrote with great intention and that the director will hopefully direct with great intention so that you can really tell a story as opposed to just being naturalistic. I got to tell you, listening to you talk, it, it, there's there's no doubt that you're passionate about what you do. Yeah. You can also clearly <laughs> tell that that you enjoy. I, I can see why you have a master class because you can you just have that tone in your voice where you 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 could tell that you enjoy imparting wisdom, right. you know, or, or how to approach things. That's fantastic. So I am right. curious, what's how do you approach acting? Are you a method actor, or what is your approach when you get a, a script and you, you're breaking down a character? Well, it, it's such an interesting term, the, the method. I feel like part of it has gotten a bad name, and part of it is misunderstood, and part of it is, no, I'm not a method actor. I don't, I don't feel like if I have 
to play a drug addict that I have to go out and become a drug addict to play one. <laughs> right, but exactly. But that's, but that's not necessarily what the method is, you yeah. know, and I think that's where it's it's kind of been misunderstood. The idea of, of being a method actor is that you, you go out and you do some level of research so that you have a clearer understanding of the plight of the character. And so I think, yeah, there is part of me that, that does that work. There's part of me that really wants to embrace the character in a way that I, it allows me to kind of shed the skin of who I am and take on the skin of who that other human being is. But I always start with the script. I really think that's the place that you've got to start. And sometimes the script is really helpful and it tells you everything, but you couldn't, the best writer couldn't put the complexities of one character in a 90 page script, let alone a 10,000 page novel. So I think it's up to the actor to really take that 90, 100, whatever pages and, and figure out through a little bit of text detective work who this person is and how to get in their mind. And then I think on top of it, you start to add to it and create a character that's maybe a little beyond what the writer wrote, which is mm. great too. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I was just about to ask your process. Uh, do you work closely with the writer and director trying to figure out exactly what they want? Or do you try to go beyond that and try to just go for something and see if they like it or not? Well, I, I always feel like I've just got to go for it yeah. and see if they like it or not. Uh, fortunately, with The Wretched, I had uh, the most amazing directors I've ever worked yeah. with, the most passionate and excited directors I've ever worked with. So um, they were super enthusiastic about sitting down for a, an hour or so just talking about the backstory of who this guy was and how he got to where he is now. And some of it really paralleled and some of it didn't. And I found myself kind of going, well, where it doesn't parallel, do I take what the Pierce brothers wanted or mm -hmm. do I take what I want? And, and I, oftentimes I, I always tried on whatever they wanted and, mm -hmm. you know, just to see how it fit. And most of the time it was really great. And it was just such a wonderful collaborative experience. But on top of it, these guys came to the table so prepared. Nice. Every detail was worked out. This is great. I bet. Yeah. I mean, we're excited to talk about this. Film. Seriously. <laughs> do you, do you take the same approach with your auditions as well? Because I mean, we all know and we hear constantly, you know, it's 90% auditioning 10% working. Do you yeah. do you take the same risk in auditions? You just kind of like this is what I think and I'm just going to go for it or do you try to like you know reserve it a little bit? And are you a self-tape guy? I, I feel like the whole industry has kind of like gone <laughs> to this self-tape yeah. now, you know, as opposed to the cattle call where you walk in the room. Yeah, I I uh, I think you got to go for it. As an actor, it is the one time that you get to do whatever you want. From that point forward, the producer is going to tell you something. The director is going to tell you something. The writer is going to tell you something. You know, everybody's got their own input of what they're going to tell you. So I think the audition is the one time you, you go, all right, let me throw caution to the wind and just do what I want to do. And I think oftentimes you walk in with that. It's, it's really refreshing for casting to see that, to go, oh, well, I didn't expect that. Oh, that's a new uh, look at that or a new approach to that character. So I, I think most of the time it's effective. But just on the DL, I think auditions are your ability to kind of bullshit your way through something you don't know. Can I say that? Am sure. I say that? Of course. Okay. We've, got, we've got the E next to the title. It's all good, man. <laughs> because here's the thing. You're dealing with an educated audience and, and right. not that they're necessarily smart, but they know their story or they wrote their story or they know what they're looking for, or they, you know, the director told them what they're looking for. So you're dealing with people who already know the story. So what you're trying to do in the audition is walk in and convince them that you're the guy for the job. And then I think once you get the job, now it's your time 
to figure out who the character is, mm. figure out the depth and complexity of what the relationships are. And then you've got to really kind of take the audience by the hand who don't know the story and and guide them through it. So I think they're totally different things. And that's why some actors are really great at auditioning and other are not, you know. Yeah, that makes all, complete sense. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. You know, let, let's talk about the the industry for a minute because like, like I said, you have a master class and you just seem very educated about the craft. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on the industry and, and it's – I guess change, if you will, of how it's kind of going from the, you know, the the theatrical side to the streamers. Are you a fan of the streamers and how? I mean, because now you can basically take a television series and it's like you're shooting a film every week or every episode, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, do you like this progression or do you? I'm, obviously, I'm bringing it up because you know, a few weeks back we have the, we have the whole Scorsese and you know theatrical release blockbuster battle going on. Um, right. I mean. What what are your thoughts? Uh, there's a place for theater, obviously, or for theatrical release, but I feel like it's not totally a bad thing with going digital or streaming. Yeah, you know, the the nice thing about it is it gives small movies an opportunity be, to be seen by a larger audience, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that's the bottom line. And I and I I really appreciate it because I'm not a blockbuster movie guy. You know, <laughs> I, I I get to do a lot of these great little independent films and play these great characters, and I then I yeah I want people to see it. The beautiful thing about what sort of accidentally happened with The Wretched is that this it's almost as if this whole thing happened so The Wretched could have a great release. That's terrible. I don't mean that. But but the, it's in 25 movie theaters, right? Yeah. In movie theaters across right. the country. It was number one at the box office over, over the weekend. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's, just, it's the weirdest thing ever. And here's a movie that probably would have been swallowed by our other movies and it's getting such great attention and i, I think we're all just kind of blown away yeah but it well, was let's, so much fun absolutely it let's talk about it screen. because it, yeah. i mean horror movies that they're, they're definitely clicking right now everybody you know they've always been popular and, and they've definitely seen, seen a resurgence 92 percent rating on rotten tomatoes man the people are loving That's it epic and drive-ins yeah. I mean, you're at drive-ins. <laughs> you know? I, I can't tell you the last time I was at a drive-in. I, I, I don't want to admit I'm old enough to have gone to drive-ins before, but I, how amazing is that? And did, were you able to do some premieres at the drive-ins, or how'd that all go down? You, you know what is so kind of amazing with this movie is that we did all of the red carpet premieres. We did Montreal. We had one here. The, the, um, the Pierce brothers went to London and did Fright Fest and so many other wonderful festivals and red carpet things and then the movie opens and all this happens and we're all quarantined Mm. and it turns into a completely different marketplace absolutely and then we we all kind of went out and did our social distancing to the the mission tiki drive-in and uh watched it there and that was our kind of second premiere so we we really got the both of best world the uh, the best of both worlds with this one and we're so fortunate so had it been just that i would have i kind of would have felt like yeah we got chipped (laughs) (laughs) in a giant parking lot watching our movie but it wasn't we you know we got all these other wonderful events and galas and parties and all that stuff and red carpets and pictures and then you know on the opening day we get to go at uh you know to this drive-in and watch it 
That's fantastic. So that was super fun. Yeah, I bet, man. I super love drive-ins. Fun. I'm old school. I'm nostalgic. I love drive-ins. So yeah, that's even badass. the young, we, we even t- the young we took people. Took my do. truck and backed up and sat in the back and watched the lawn chairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Kick back with a couple of brewskis and enjoy the show, right? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. fantastic. Well, exactly. it, like I said, it's being received really well, and I, I love it. It's the number one movie in the box office. It's fantastic. <laughs> I know, it's great. <laughs> So uh, tell everybody about it a little bit because it's pretty. It's a pretty intense uh, kind of a drama, nightmarish horror film, right? Tell everybody about it a little bit. If you might not be familiar with it. it, it is. It is a dark kind of horror film. It's it's about well, from my perspective, it's about a kid who comes to visit his dad for the summer, right? I mean, I play Liam Shaw, the dad, right? And uh, my son comes to visit me for the summer, and it's really a story about Ben, who's my son, mm-hmm. and he's had some troubles, and so. We, there's there's an issue with believing the stories that he tells and he starts seeing these things happen at the neighbor's house and he tries to convince me of what's going on and he tries to convince his friends of what's going on and of course nobody believes him right, right. and so um he ends up uncovering this i don't know thousand year old witch and i won't give away too many details oh, but shit. All of this start stuff starts to happen, and we all realize that whatever it is that he's talking about is real. And as we start to investigate and as things start to pull apart, bad things happen on both sides of the fence. Mm. So it's no longer just the neighbors. It's bled into our house, and it's it's having a negative effect on all of us. So then we've got to really deal with the issue and take care of the problem. That was a really well said synopsis. It was. Like, like, <laughs> you know, when I love the bad things happen. The whole change of voice when he says bad things happen. That that I want to see it right now. Who doesn't exactly. want to see it after bad exactly. things happen? Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. And it's on video on demand right now, also, right? It is. Yeah, they, yeah. They the IFC Midnight continued the release as planned, and it started in a couple of drive-ins, and then it, it got really popular, and it's up to twenty-five or maybe even more now. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's it's available there and uh, on VOD. You know, Amazon, Hulu, um, Apple yeah. TV, all those all those places. Yeah. Oh, and it's the perfect time, like you said. I mean, everybody quarantine, everybody is going to the streamers to watch. So, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, that's that's fantastic, man, exactly. dude. Congratulations on Seriously. it. I mean, it sounds like it's epic, and it sounds like it's going to be a huge hit. And and congratulations on that, man. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, film. and it's, we are definitely going to direct everybody to where to find it and where to watch it for sure. Right. And rumor has it, though, uh, small world. Rumor has it you were uh, your friends with one of our former guests. Is that right? That's right. When I watched one of the podcasts, and I was like, oh, Autumn Reeser. Yeah. yeah. She played my wife on, um, she was Amanda Weil playing my wife on The Whispers, which was a show that we did together for Steven Spielberg's um, ABC drama, The Whispers. Yes. Uh, which was a couple of years ago. It was really uh, that was another kind of creepy, scary show. <laughs> it yeah. really was. And I got to tell you, I was a fan and I was not okay when it didn't get picked up. <laughs> I, I was know. loving we, the storyline. Yeah. I, I really thought this was going to be a hit and move forward. And I was like shocked when it didn't, man. Yeah, I think we all were. And and I think the really frustrating thing was it, it left all these loose ends. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Not not cool. Not cool. Well, we yeah, no. are thrilled that you came on the show. We, we love Autumn. Now, we love you and uh you. <laughs> yes. yeah you've been an absolute blast to talk to man um i just think the knowledge that you have about the industry and what you bring and 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 it's just been phenomenal dude thank you 
appreciate that. Of course, that. of course. Super, really, fun, super re- fun talking to you guys. Yeah, man. We like to get a little crazy. You know, you know. And I mean, this interview <laughs> is really going to help the up-and-comers trying to break into the industry to see what to do, especially that pivotal stepping stone is theater. I mean, that's Agreed. where you hone your craft. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of really people is. are really going to enjoy this one. And uh, what we like to do at the end of each interview is have our guests leave a little piece of advice for up-and-comers that are trying to break into the industry, obviously, what they're going to do. And what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid? Well, that's a that's a oh the pitfalls part is a great question. Thank well, you, thank like you. Autumn said, get get in class, right? Yes. Get in class. It, 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 you know the analogy that she had about skiing was was great, right? You don't <laughs> yeah. have to buy the ski. First, <laughs> you got to learn to ski. Um, yeah, get in class. Uh, and the other thing is, I think it's a small world, and it's an even smaller business. So you've got to be a good human. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of egos out there. And if you're driven to this p- profession because of your ego, I think you're in it for the wrong reasons. Mm. I think you got to learn about acting. You got to learn about yourself. You got to become tough as nails without creating a hard exterior, <laughs> right? Which I had, which right. is a suit of armor. Oh, that, you, you know, gotta, yeah. yeah, no, just, I, I didn't mean it, but that's great yeah. because everybody says thick skin, thick skin, thick skin, but you also have to actually be a softy under that yeah, thick you skin. Have to be a human. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah, you great. Gotta, you've got to then be able to release that and be, you know, available and vulnerable and all that stuff. But, mm. but that tenacity and discipline I think is, is really, really important. Tenacity and discipline. And, um, Maybe a curiosity, a deep knowledge of, of yourself mm-hmm. and of, of the human experience through observation, I think, is really important as well. That would be my advice. Definitely. And the pitfalls? Yeah. <laughs> um, the pitfalls, just be aware of people that are there to take advantage of you. There yeah. are so many people out there trying to take advantage of actors at every turn. Um, you know, and some of them have had these legal battles and you know some of those um, workshops that were going on which were not about helping actors they were about just making money right some of those things you just i think you've got to be really smart if your gut is telling you that this is a bad thing or a wrong thing or that somebody's taking advantage of you trust it do a little research figure it out but but just be careful of those people that are trying to take advantage of young actors that are coming here and you know want to get into the industry it's important Solid advice, man. Solid <laughs> advice from start to finish there. Of Thank course, you. now we want everybody to follow you. So tell everybody where you're at on social media so that they can keep up with you and follow you. Oh, yeah. Real Jameson Jones, R-E-A-L, like the real one. Real Jameson Jones <laughs> is, the, is, the, um, is the Instagram. Uh, Jameson Jones is uh, on Facebook. And Jameson Jones with a zero instead of an O in the Jones is my uh, is my Twitter account so yeah all of those places will lead you there and jamesonjones.com and we'll take you to my website and jamesonjonesactingstudio.com will take you to that website nice, so all those places nice. i gotta yeah. tell you man the website's pretty sharp looks pretty good you know hey, i'm not gonna you. lie man <laughs> it's a good looking my uh, my brother and his creative team in australia did that oh wow so shout out to them they're pretty fantastic he really is worldly isn't he it's yeah. like oh my my website's done in australia it's like fantastic. <laughs> he's all over man <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, we are definitely going to direct everybody there and, and tell them to follow you. And, of course, make sure everybody watches Wretched. It's it's everywhere. Like you said, Hulu, Apple, everywhere. You, you can find it. You're home. You're quarantined. You can watch this movie. It's going to be great. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Listen, man, open invite whenever you want to come back on the show to promote anything or if you just want to come back on and shoot the shit, man. This has been really fun, dude. Yeah, seriously. Hey, yeah. You guys are great. This was super fun. And uh, thank you for letting my – they spout all of my 
knowledge about uh, acting and the, the belief system and all that. It's, uh, it's something that I'm passionate about. So no, dude, it's fantastic. That. And you are the first guest I can say that we uh, has uh, has a suit of armor. That, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I don't think we've <laughs> ever had a guest with a suit of armor before. We literally had a knight on the show. It's, exactly. it's brilliant. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> Listen, man, have a great rest of the week. And, and, you know, take care. Stay safe, dude. And we'll be in touch soon, man. Thanks. Same to you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. See ya. Bye. See ya. Man, that guy was just so real and just humble and just so knowledgeable about the entertainment industry. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, uh, he sounds like a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, very, I I could, I want to sign up for his masterclass. Yeah. I mean, but then also passionate about what he does and you can just really kind of tell. Yeah. You brought it up though. Humble. I like the guy. He's like, I couldn't sing. I couldn't dance. I'm yeah. trying to do theater. Like you know, <laughs> you know, it's like I always love guests like that, man. Yeah, and, and just really fun to talk to. Really knowledgeable. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you again, Jameson Jones, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for the top five segment. Oh man, this week it is top five cars we'd like to own, and then of course we wanted to keep it a little entertainment of related. Course. So. Uh, Movies and television cars that we have seen, popular ones. That's right, because we're equal opportunity. (laughs) You see all these lists out there, it's just movies or just TV. It's like, why can't we have both? Exactly. It's all entertainment. Exactly, and it's all kick-ass cars. Exactly, exactly. Well, my number five is DMC DeLorean from Back to the Future. Mm. I just, I love the butterfly doors. It just looks so badass. Honestly, I would buy one of those cars right now. Seriously, and (laughs) they, they, boy, are they hard to come by, too. Like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it is. It's one of the most iconic cars of all time. Yeah, you got you got to have it, and and you know maybe you can travel. Hell yeah, <laughs> definitely back in time. Exactly. My number five is the 1961 Ferrari 250 GT from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ah, oh, yeah. You remember Cameron's daddy's car that they jacked? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but I mean, it, it's a Ferrari. Yeah, right. It's so beautiful. I, and you know me. We've talked about this, and you're going to find this trend on my list. But I'm a '60s old school. I think. The 60s were the best year ever yeah. for cars. Yeah. I'm just going to say To be honest, it. they were. Just going to say it. And so. fun fact with that one, uh, didn't they get sued because it was... They did because apparently three or four times throughout the movie when they were supposedly driving that Ferrari, it was a spider. Mm. And they just put the Ferrari symbol on like, it. Yeah. Ferrari didn't like that. Ferrari's like, that's not our car. That's not a Ferrari. We're suing you. Yeah, we're suing the fuck And they won. (laughs) I'm just saying they won. Makes sense. It Mm -hmm. makes sense. Uh, For my number four, I got Lincoln Furtra, or whatever it is, Uh, the 1966 Batmobile. Yes. That shit's badass, especially in... Forget what it's called, that Mark Wahlberg rock movie, uh, Rockstar, I think it's yes. called, where he has the Batmobile. That shit just looks so badass. It's badass. And I, I mean, it's hard to pick a Batmobile because they're all pretty badass and like all the things. But you got to go with the original, uh, right? Like exactly. the, like you did. I mean, you have to. And now I'm going to throw a little piece of trivia at you. I just saw that the state of California is designating the three acres of land that are right in front of and surround the Batcave entrance for the Batmobile from the 1966 as historical landmarks so that nobody can ever build on it or touch it. The entrance to the Batmobile's Batcave will forever be okay. That's hilarious. Right? That's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. My number four is Grease Lightning. Yeah. 1948 Ford Deluxe Convertible better known as Grease Lightning. Such a badass and it, I mean, come on. Whether it's the the hot rod red color with, or the one that we end up seeing with the white, with the, it's still a badass car. Well done. Either way. Well yeah. Done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Grease Lightning. <laughs> and a badass song, all right? Exactly. You know, it's exactly. kick-ass. Uh, my number three 
it, it's a little haunted. I will say it's a little haunted. Uh, Porsche uh, 5500 are, <laughs> I should say, uh, 5500 uh, Spider Convertible, Little mm. Bastard, James Dean. Yes. The one he uh. died in. There's that spider again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a badass car. I mean, when he's riding up to the whole fucking, like, outlook and, I mean, fucking badass I car. know. So good. So good. Okay, I threw my 40 out there, so now the rest of my list is 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Number three for me. I love this one. What happens in the van stays in the van. Yes. It's the 1966 Chevy Sport van, otherwise known as the Mystery Machine yes. from Scooby-Doo. Love I mean, that. come on. I know. Come on. The, the rumor is, is it was actually an, uh, a mixture of a bunch of different vans. Nobody could really identify what this van was. Yeah. Um, but this is what they believe was the model that was used for the Mystery Machine. So That's badass. It's badass. The yeah. shag and wagon, man. <laughs> the shag and wagon. That's right. So much yeah. weed going I on in the back of that van. Yeah, there was. And we, we don't know what else was going on. Oh, boy, no. there's a reason they were eating all the time. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, my number two, uh, the 1967 Impala <laughs> Supernatural. Yes. I mean, you know, you know, because it's on yours as baby, well. Baby. That's also my number two. We can, we can clear that one up real quick. That baby. I mean, I, and because we're knowledgeable, we just want to throw this out there. Not the original car. Yeah, that's In the wild. original script, he was supposed to drive a Mustang. Yeah. Uh, a a 65 Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> Completely different story. Completely different story. They realized, well, we can't throw all those like hunting gear in the back of yeah, a right. Mustang. And so, baby is baby. Baby is baby. I mean, such a badass car. It is. Like, and you know, again, another one that everybody's on the hunt for but really can't find. Yeah. So, so if good. you find one, we want it. Hell yeah. What you? Oh well, no. I just gave you my number two. Oh, You're okay. on the number one. All right. <laughs> it was both baby. We it, both I had know, baby. It's true. I forgot. I forgot. Okay. Number one for me is a 1999 Nissan Skyline GTR R34. This is a Fast and Furious car. Paul Walker's blue one, mm. or a silver and blue one, in uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. There you go. Such a badass car. Fun fact about this one: it is illegal in the United States because it's too fucking fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, damn. Maybe the real one Paul was driving should have been illegal too. Yeah, maybe. Mm. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a lot of that's a lot of like things for the name of the car. Yeah. Like, a yeah, that's happening. a lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Just, maybe that's why it's illegal. Right. Like, we can't put that on a registration. It's, it's, too, it's too long. It's too much. <laughs> my number one, like, I, I literally have this picture on my phone. Like I said, I just, I've wanted this car since I was a kid, for as long as I can remember. The 1968 Ford Mustang GT390 yes. from Bullet, from Steve McQueen's Bullet. Of course. A Mustang Fastback. There, there's a lot of names for this bad boy because it's got the, but... When he is racing through the city against that Camaro in this Mustang, and it's a muscle car versus muscle car. I'd take the Camaro too, by the way, yeah. the 68 Camaro also. But for me, that's where my love affair for the Mustang began. Hell yeah. And for my 60s, for the 60s cars. And, and just, I want this car such so bad. Oh, yes. Man. And I mean, there's a couple that just like barely missed the list, like uh, General Lee from uh, Dukes of <laughs> I mean, who, do, who doesn't want that? Exactly. And Knight like, Rider? Uh, yeah, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, like, yeah. So many. It's so funny that two Trans Ams, right? Knight yeah. Rider and Smokey and the Bandit. But I mean, you know. So many good cars, though, guys. So many good cars. I'm glad y'all enjoyed the top five segment. What are your top five cars that you have seen in movies or television? Let us know. We'd love to hear your interaction with this because, I mean, so many good cars. 
Sankaras throughout the years, man. I mean, definite, you know, and you don't even have to be like a movie or TV lover. You, I, you, there, you know, you're a car lover. Yeah. Just tell us what you want. Yeah. You know, I mean, exactly, it. exactly. Well, now it is time for the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Oh man, we mm. love this app. So many news breaking each and every day. You can track box office. You can track actors. You can track publicists. This is your one-stop shop to breaking into the entertainment it's industry. True, the so. Bible. They call it the Bible for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Was well, that blasphemy? Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, the number one trending movie this week is Netflix's Extraction. Chris mm. Hemsworth and the Russo brothers. Um, I'm just going to say this story has been told before. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like I needed an extraction to get out of the room I was watching it in. Yeah. <laughs> that might be a little harsh. I, yeah. you're I, Just very familiar story. Yeah. Just not like anything where I could just not. I could take it or leave it. Yeah. I mean, it was it was decent, I guess. It was decent, but in the day and age of streaming where it's kind of harder to keep your attention at home and where it's easier just to turn off the TV, mm-hmm. I was just turning off the TV. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just saying. Well, and I think, unfortunately for Chris Hemsworth, he's he's fallen into that trap, if you will, where Ragnarok was so good and that reincarnation of that character was so good that now that's the bar. Exactly. And if, if he ain't living up to that kind of a performance... Yeah, that's it. So, you know, that can be dangerous sometimes, but exactly. anyway. Exactly. It's getting a sequel. Uh, yeah, it's getting a sequel. It's getting a sequel. It's like a Michael Bay film, in it's my opinion. True. Like, it's true. Uh, the top trending TV show is, by no surprise, this show is fucking epic if you haven't started watching it. Hollywood. Mm. So good. So good. Kudos, Ryan Murphy. Right? Kudos. That, this show kicks ass. It does. It does. I mean, all you entertainment lovers out there, especially for the historic entertainment industry, for the golden age of Hollywood, this is it, guys. Go back and watch it. Absolutely. And there's this one scene. It's my favorite scene. We've talked about this. But there's a scene in an episode where they they do a table read of the film. And they're doing the table read, but then they also flash the scenes of it. It's just... It just, I love it. I know. So good. So good. And the top trending star is Julia Gardner still up there from Ozark. She's been on like the past month. Yeah. She's like, she's going to take over. Like, I don't know. How long is she going to stay there? Exactly. That's the thing, right? Like, mm. exactly. Kudos to her. She's like uh, Kiki on the billboard chart. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's so funny. It's so funny. I'm going to take my horse. That that one, Lil Nas. Is she going to be like Lil Nas level on the IMDb? I don't know. It's so funny. Uh, but anyway, guys, thank you so much for getting a little crazy with us on episode 113. Yes. Insane. Absolutely insane. Thank you again, Jameson Jones, for coming on this show. Be sure to follow him on all social media platforms and uh, try to get into his master class. Man is teaching up a storm. Seriously, so, if you yeah. want to be an actor. Exactly. That's the guy to teach you. And Spencer Garrett. We didn't know he had a master class as well. Right? Uh, like, right. Like, you know, we should not be surprised, though. Like, 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 yeah, Spencer does everything. Everything, everything. Uh, be sure to follow uh, the company at Crazy Ant Media uh, on all podcast platforms. <laughs> uh, you know, we're everywhere on all social media platforms, I should say Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, all that good shit. And follow us both personally on our social media platform myself at jlo fantastic and crazy and guy in 1970 that's right and be sure to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio. subscribe to us on youtube watch us on youtube and so many more it's 
amazing stuff, man. It amazing is. stuff. And uh, visit our website, crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Things are going fast with great quality. Uh, we love everything on there. And uh, the new tr- teaser trailer of The Raven's Vision is now yes, up. Yes, so the young one, the young school. Exactly. <laughs> if new you will, school, new school. New school is up, so That's be right. sure to check it out, man. We appreciate all of our followers and supporters y'all are amazing uh i gotta say the favorite part of this episode for me was probably the russell crowe thing with the mob thriller Mm. like i just love anything gangster mafia type shit and i mean it coming to neviacom is going to be a good place for it yeah absolutely i I think uh, just perfect um and yeah he's total gangster yeah i'm totally down with that uh, I liked all the talk about Star Wars and yeah. how they're they're bringing you know the old in with the new and yeah. kind of merging it all and, and uh, just making a presence on on Disney Plus. I think it's going to be epic for for Disney and for Star Wars. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know who else should uh, make a feature or make an appearance in Star Wars? <laughs> oh my God, she would be epic. She would. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>